0: Good morning. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. And that is from 1 John three three. You may have noticed when you look at your uh, bulletin this morning, I have a copious chunk of scripture that I'm hoping to get through today. But here's the good news. It's from Scripture. So the more Scripture there is, the less room there is for my personal opinion. Which I think is a good thing, personally, because I'm very opinionated, much like every other human being. Uh, But I found myself reading through 1 John 3, 1 John 4, and 1 John 5, and trying to figure out where a good place to stop was. And all I could come up with is, at the end... So, because of that, uh, I'm actually planning to read the bulk of 1 John 3 4, and 5. Now, I do have little things that I'll probably add in, uh, not because I'm adding them in, but just little comments, ways that they hit me. Please, if you have your Bible with you, please read along just to make sure that you're able to discern the wisdom of God from the possible insights of this guy, right? They do not have the same weight. And for those of you who have ever been in my class, no, that wasn't a fat joke at myself. But um, anytime I'd say weight, I usually throw that out there. And clearly that wasn't much of a joke here either. So that, that works out. All right. So I'm at 1 John 3, and every time I read the first verse here, I get a camp song stuck in my head, as I'm sure some of you do. It can be sung as a round, too. Some of you are already there with me. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Someone was ready to start. I know it. <laughs> oh, songs are valuable, aren't they? See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. I'm just going to take a moment. I want you to understand that. Or try your best to understand that because does anybody really? Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called the children of God. That's pretty powerful stuff. What does it mean to be the children of God? There's kind of implications there. That means that you're very loved. For those of you with children, you can like your children's friends a whole lot. And most of the time, they'll never be your children, at least not in your heart and in your head. And you can love them, it's different. If God loves us so much that He doesn't just call us friends, He calls us His children. That's pretty powerful stuff. And this is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we excuse me, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So if Jesus is sinless, Jesus was sinless as he lived on this earth. Jesus was loving. Jesus stood up for what was right, even when people didn't like it. Is that the way we could describe ourselves or each other? As being morally upright, beyond reproach? In fact, I I get a little uncomfortable when people worry about how to describe each other. So why don't we just focus on us right now, each one of us? Is that how we could be described as without sin? I know I can't be described that way if I'm being honest. But the closer I get to that, the closer that I'm able to, goodness, I don't want to say project myself, because how I appear to others, it can be very different than how I appear before God. But that's the goal, is to be pure as Christ is pure. Some people, I've heard a lot of really great preachers say, oh, if only I could be like Billy Graham, that would be enough. And I get what they're saying, but seriously? That's not biblical. (laughs) And when is enough enough? I'm sure Billy Graham was sitting there thinking, if only I could be, I don't know, maybe he was thinking if only I could be, More like Jesus, because that's the goal of all of us. Not to mention, I think all bets are off when someone stubs their toe. I never saw Billy Graham stub his toe. That's the hardest time on earth to act like a Christian is when you stub your baby toe on a bench or on a table. You think I'm joking, but I am serious. There is a just a strange amount of searing pain. Not so much that you go numb to it, but just enough to let you know you're still alive. Anyhow, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. Did you know that he appeared, um, excuse me, but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him there is no sin. No one who lives in him, in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Sin is a big deal. We act as though it isn't. Sin is a huge deal. It separates us from God. And we justify it by, well, everyone sins. True. That's true. True but that's like justifying your reckless behavior simply because everyone dies. Well, that's really dangerous. I know everyone dies. It's a flawed thinking. Everyone does sin because we're not perfect. But to be willfully sinning and to continue on in our sin and to act as though sin is not a big deal is really inconsistent with saying that we love God. It's really inconsistent because if you say you know Jesus, that comes with this huge implication that you're going to behave as though you know Jesus. And I wonder sometimes if the biggest problem with people behaving as though they know Jesus isn't because of the way we had presented salvation to them to begin with. Now, some of you were told that there was a God who made you and who loves you, and that His Son came to forgive your sins, and that rocked you to your core, and you accepted Jesus, and that is salvation, right? That is a salvation experience. Some people are told that life is really hard right now, and if you just give it to Jesus, He wants to give you the desires of your heart. And that's pseudo-biblical. It's kind of in the Bible, but really manipulative. What would have been better is if they said life is really hard right now and Jesus would like to help you bear your burdens. And you can find strength and comfort in Jesus. Because you may not get your way. Because life is horrible and wonderful and beautiful all at the same time and it's very confusing. Has anyone had a different experience with life where it isn't totally heartbreaking? yet at the same time absolutely wonderful? Sometimes the pendulum swings one way or the other where it's all heartbreak. And then you'll get that day where it's all sunshine. But for most of us, it's both of those things, is it not? But what I know is that I have a God who cares and I have a God who carries me and I have a God who gives me purpose and strength. He isn't a genie that made everything wonderful. He gave me shade in the desert. He gives me shade in the desert. It isn't necessarily changing from heat to air conditioning, but he's giving me enough to carry through. And what would I be without shade in the desert? I would be dead. Please don't go to the extreme when I say things like that when I criticize the way people present the Gospel. Jesus is the answer. But the answer doesn't always look like what you want. i got to be really careful not to quote the Rolling Stones here because I don't think that's appropriate. But you don't always get what you think you want. But you will get exactly what you need, when you need it. That shade in the desert. And I'm sorry about that song that's stuck in some of your heads now. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Now, again, if you sin, that doesn't make you of the devil. When you continue on in sin unrepentantly and you have no desire to change, That is my interpretation of this scripture are those who continue sinning with no desire to change. Those are the people that are in sin. Everyone is capable of sinning. Everyone is capable of sinning. When I first felt called to preach, and I don't talk about this very much because the second I say I feel called to preach, now I've said you've got to argue with God or at least my interpretation of what God told me. In my heart, not audibly, but when I felt called to preach, I felt so completely unworthy because I hadn't yet arrived at a level of holiness. And that's interesting when I look back, because scripture does tell us study to show yourself approved. The scripture tells us not to continue on in our sins. But there was no point when I was going to be promoted spiritually to a higher spiritual level that would make me beyond the ability to sin. But I have learned that every sin I commit, every sin you commit, is a conscious choice. It is a conscious choice. Every once in a while you'll find yourself in the midst of a sinful situation and you can then remove yourself from it. But most of the time when we sin, there was that brief moment when you knew this was wrong and you just did it anyway. And I would love for someone to give me an example of when that wasn't true. But I'm fairly confident you can't. But I don't want to argue either. I'm just saying, when I have sinned, it's been because I chose to sin. It wasn't because the Holy Spirit wasn't able to carry me through that. It was because I decided to give in. I decided I wanted to be God in that moment, which is the original sin. I wanted to be as God in my own life in that moment. And it didn't seem like a big deal. Didn't seem like a big deal, but it was. Anyway, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know the children of God are the, are, excuse me, who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not know what right is, anyone who does, excuse me, who does not do What is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or their sister. It's brief moments like that where I don't have to tell you I'm dyslexic. You probably were able to just hear it. I know in our uh, Sunday school lesson this morning, one of the things that uh, was just a sideline was God has a sense of humor. And he truly does. He truly does. It becomes very difficult for someone with disabilities to speak in front of people or to read in front of people. I can talk in front of people all day long. That's fine. Reading in front of people is still uncomfortable for me because I know I'm going to mess up. And hopefully I can model something in that because I feel God wants me to read a lot of scripture from up here. And it isn't always going to come out beautifully and I'm going to have to correct myself. But if God called me to do it, I'm going to do it. And that's okay. It's, it's okay with me because God is infallible. And if I cannot stress this enough, I cannot stress this enough. I am finite and flawed. And I'm serving a living God who is eternal and perfect. So please. When I'm reading scripture, feel free to read along in your Bible. And maybe if I'm stuttering over something, maybe that's the part God wants you to hear the most. Maybe not. Maybe it's because I have a learning disability. I don't know. I don't think God has plan B's, though. I think God does what God does with his broken vessels. Because God is magnificent. And that further proves to me the existence of God. I could have just said, excuse me for stumbling over those words, but I thought that was more appropriate. All right, verse 11. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who murdered, excuse me, do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone that hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Hate's a huge deal, is it not? And that's why we as Christians are so careful not to say we hate anyone. And that's a great first step. The second part of that is to search. And this is the only time I'm ever going to tell you to do this, probably. Search deep within yourself, using the scripture as a guideline, and see, do you actually hate anyone? Because sometimes we can be like, oh, I don't hate them. Really? You might not. Some of us started a little more hateful and have had to work through it. Sometimes you need to do that heart check and be like, do I actually hate this person? Can I recognize what they are doing is in or you know, it's unjust, it's unjust, it's evil. But that step further, of, do I hate the person? And I'm not immune to that. I'm just going to say it. it's one of the things I have to guard my heart against is actually going that step of hating. But anyone who hates is a murderer. And that is one of the things I aspire not to be. That brings me back to the Ten Commandments. Do not commit murder. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. We all struggle with that. It's hard to let another person be right. How much more difficult would it be to lay down your life for another human being? Or is that part of laying down your life for another human being? Is occasionally conceding and letting them have their own way? I bring up the carpet again because it's funny to me. And this is intentional, too. I'm desensitizing you to the fact that one day we'll change the carpet. It's fine. But one day when we're changing the carpets, and I know some steps have already been taken to ensure this never actually becomes an argument, but not by me. um, We could argue, and we probably will, if it's actually a choice, about what carpet's more holy Or who's more invested in the congregation and should get to pick. Whether or not we need to reupholster the pews when we change the carpet. All that junk. And that's exactly what it is. It's frivolous nonsense, and I want it to be a joke. Because it's frivolous nonsense. Because, oh my goodness, it will cause people to have dissension. And can we really say we're laying down our lives for one another when these pitily little nothing things cause us to fight with one another? That isn't laying down your life for each other. It's being petty and hateful and silly. It's silly. I work with 12-year-olds, and I would love to tell you that in my job working with 12-year-olds, and in this that God has blessed me with, trying to discern His Word and speak it to you, that people grow up. And they don't always. Not completely. We don't all grow up to be. Not every aspect of our lives is going to grow up from the time we're 12 until we're 80. Or wherever many years God has gifted us with. There's still things that we do when we're 12 that we're going to do as adults. There's still feelings we're going to have. People are people, and they have always been people, and God loves us anyway, and I don't understand why, but I am so thankful. Enough about carpets, I'm sorry. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. Hmm. I skipped a verse. Sorry. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Well, they should have known better. It's actually harder to do mission work in your own community than to go to a different community because you know the people and their backstory and the reason why they're broke. But it's easy to go into another community when they're strangers and just show them the love of Jesus. But the Bible tells us, so if we see someone in need and we have the ability to meet their needs and we don't have pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us love with wor- excuse me, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Actions speak louder than words. You've heard it before, I know. This is how we know we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask, because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son jesus christ and to love one another as he commanded us the one who keeps god god's command excuse me the one who keeps god's commands lives in him and he in them and this is how we know he lives in us we know it by the spirit he gave us <sighs> I'm going to have to break this into separate sections. I didn't realize how long it was going to take me to get through chapter three. So if you look on the back here, bulletin, what does it say for next week? It says Thanksgiving. It is not. I mean, it's Thanksgiving, of course. Um, but um, I'm going to finish up with First uh, John 4 and 5 next week. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not going to keep you here for two hours while I stumble to read through this. But I feel like this is a really good place for me to sum up. As I have brought up maybe too many times, I'm flawed. I'm finite. I am terribly human. Even amongst humans, I feel like a terrible human. What I have, though, and I want you to hear me out, and this might sound corny to you, and I don't even care. I've realized that I actually do have all the answers. And the only reason why I have all the answers is I have the Bible and I have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Does that mean I'm ready to give you those answers? Absolutely not. Does that mean I'll ever understand the answers? No. I might not. I possess the answers simply because I own a Bible and I have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Is God going to give me all answers at all times? No. But if I have any confidence as a pastor and as a Christian, it's because I have a Bible and because I have the Holy Spirit. And if I submit to the will of God, if I am obedient to the words of God to the best of my ability and live in a way that says I believe in Jesus. Then I can confidently, I can confidently proclaim the gospel. How many of you hated hearing me say that because I kind of hated saying it? I have all the answers. I don't. Me, myself, I do not have all the answers. I possess the answer simply because I own multiple copies of the Bible. The answers are in here, and the answers are in. The answers can be given to me by the Holy Spirit, which dwells in me. And God has the answers. Jesus knows the answers to questions I haven't even thought of yet. Do I believe in Jesus? It brings me back to that. Do I believe in the Word of God and what it says? That the Word of God will not return void? Do I believe that? He is dwelling with me. If I abide in him, he will abide in me. If I have faith in what God has told me. 1 John 3 says a lot about love and hate. If I believe in scriptures, and if I believe that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in me, and if I believe that if I am abiding in the will of God, God can teach me to love his children. And God can continue to teach me to love his children. God has taught me to love people, and it is the biggest joy in my life. I genuinely love people. It was not always so. Have I arrived? No. God will continue to teach me to love people. Because a friend of mine uses the term uh, extra grace required. Some people are extra grace required, and they're hard to love off the get-go. But I have confidence. If I submit myself to God in obedience, he will teach me to love those as well. One of the big things I used to have an issue with is if someone uh, was hard on my uh, factory senses there. my olfactory factory senses. If I found them malodorous, I would have a hard time speaking with them. And because God has a delightful sense of humor, I often work with 12-year-old boys. So I've had to get over that. And you know what? You don't have to notice if someone is malodorous. I mean, of course you're going to notice, but after a while you don't. If you can learn to love the person it becomes less of an issue. I realize that's a silly example. Some people have a hard time dealing with those with a checkered past. But if you don't believe God forgives people, you're in the wrong spot. Actually, I'm not even going to say that. You're just wrong. If you don't believe that God forgives sin... I feel bad because he tells you he does. (laughs) He tells you he does. If God doesn't forgive sin, then I can't be a Christian. If God doesn't forgive sin, then you can't be a Christian. You can't say you love God for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. I don't know if that counts as a summary. That was more of like a strange diatribe where I just kept going in circles. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we will know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Let's love one another because we love Jesus. Let's try to live our sinless lives. Let's try to live our lives as sinlessly as possible because it's because we love Jesus, because we love God, because we believe he's made it possible for us to sin far less. Anyhow, if you can do so without pain, please stand with me. Father God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for who you've made us to you. Father God, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you can help us to love one another. Father God, I thank you that you are faithful to forgive us of our sins when we do sin and when we are repentant. Father God, I thank you that you have made it possible for us to sin less, that you have that you've redeemed us, Lord. I thank you that you've redeemed us. Lord, I pray that we would not take sin lightly, but Lord, I pray that we would just live loving you as our primary drive, that we wouldn't live in fear of sin, but we would live in recognition of our love for you. I praise you and I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. At this time, that brings us to our time of announcements, prayer and sharing, which will be led by Wendy Jones. And as she's coming up here, I would like to remind you that there is, and actually by reminding you, I'd like to announce, because I never said it here originally, there is a community Thanksgiving service at Lincolnville Baptist Church next Sunday night at 7 p.m. We've been asked to sing. I know that surprises you. But it is always wonderful when you get a chance to be a part of those community services. It's a blessing. If you're able to come, I hope that you will. If you need a ride, please reach out to me. I would love to give you a ride. I'll even clean my car before I pick you up because I have to. <laughs> Sorry. Um the other thing, uh, other two, two more things that I was going to throw out there. Next week we're going to be doing a matching fund offering for Milton Duty Schweitzer. We have that Everance fund, so if we, I believe it'll match us up to fifteen hundred dollars. So whatever we get in that offering, they've had a lot of medical bills. They've been actually Duty's been in the hospital for two months. She just came home in rehab for two months from her surgeries. I'm sure they could use the blessing. So if you feel led to, please give next week, and our Everence Fund will.